So if you'd like to join me, either on the back of your bulletin or up on the screen, uh, the reading today comes from 1 Samuel 15, verses 10 through 23. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned, and passed on, and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners. The Amalekites? Amalekites, thank you. The Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is an inquiry and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Uh, please bow your heads and pray with me. Uh, Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for this gathering place, for this time of study, this time of meditation, this time of worship. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon this whole congregation, that you'd soften our hearts, give us discerning minds, Lord. Uh, bless Brian as he speaks. Uh, bless the faithful time he put into study. Uh, help us to be attentive to his words and meditate upon the message that you'd speak through him today. Uh, please watch over those of us who are going through hard times, uh, those of us dealing with illnesses, those of us dealing with uh, just relational conflict. Uh, help us to be sources of joy. Help us to rely upon your cross and your grace uh, to get us through each day. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesse, for reading that. Sometimes when we read a passage, you can clearly uh, kind of identify a theme. But uh, this morning, a little bit more on the challenging side. Um, for the next four to six weeks, we are going to do um, standalone sermons looking at different people in the Old Testament and things we can learn from them and how they point to Jesus. So this morning, uh, we're looking at Saul and... Um, 
we're going to look at his life. And he is an example of somebody who started off life very well. And then things just kind of came apart. So this idea of starting off well and then life spirals out of control. One of the, uh, the key words that, that is um, repeated, and, and maybe it would be hard to notice in reading such a large passage, is the word um, obey or the word listen. And what's interesting is that when you translate from Hebrew to English, um, you have to do some interpreting to try to grasp the meaning. So here is the word. Um, I think we have it here, the first little slide, Russell. Uh, I'm sorry, let's go to the next one. There it is. All right, here is the word that is repeated many times in the passage that we just read. It is the word shema. It's the Hebrew word for listen. And there's a range of meaning. It can mean sound waves entering into your ear, just like we're hearing me speak, but it has a broader range of meaning also. And let me just show you that. And we'll just look at one or two places. So this is from Exodus 19, where the translation is, now therefore, if you will indeed shema my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine. So we can conclude, just even from this one passage, that the word Shema means more than just allowing noise to go into our ears. What you would notice, if we put this in Hebrew up here, is that there's a root pair here, and it's Shema Shema. It's kind of a fun thing to say. You can say that to yourself if you want to, help you remember. It has then this connection with keeping of covenant. So this Hebrew word Shema, can mean to listen, but it can also mean to obey. It has this connection of covenant keeping. So when we hear this repeated phrase over and over again in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it has to do with Saul. And Saul's life begins to unravel because he will not, he will not shema the word of God. He will not shema the voice of God. So if we go back one slide, Russell, we'll just try to capture that whole passage in, in one kind of idea. I'm sorry, this, we'll save that, Russell. We'll go to the, the one sentence about self-deceit. There you go. So here's, here's how Saul's life begins to unravel. The danger of not listening well is that you will deceive yourself into believing you are always right. And that's what happens to Saul in this story. How well are we at listening? How well do you do at listening? One of the things that I do know about us is that we're very busy people. Um, We're very active, one thing to the next. And I would say this, propose this idea to you, that probably one of the most challenging things for any of us to do here is to listen well. That we, we're just busy. We go from one thing to the next and we're not very good at listening to each other and even much more importantly, listening to God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, now we'll do the Bonhoeffer quote, Russell. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany during World War II who lost his life in a concentration camp and he said this, those who think their time is too precious to spend listening will never really have time for God and others but only for themselves. 
And I wonder if that's true of us, if we're just too busy, too pre preoccupied with the things of life that we struggle with, with listening. And so the key concept this morning is this word Shema, the Hebrew word for listening. And if we ignore that word, we'll go back to the one sentence, Russell. If we ignore that word, that concept, the danger is self-deception. And that's what happens in the story. Saul's life spirals out of control into self-deception because he no longer listens well. So that is, um, that is how we will begin with the word of Shema. And in one other passage, Jeremiah 5.21 says this, Hear this, people, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes to hear, excuse me, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. So Jeremiah uses this word in, in, to give us the implication that if you are listening well, that you will act differently. Okay, so the word that Saul struggles with is listening to the voice of God, and, and uh, his life then struggles and falls apart. So 1 Samuel chapter 15, the context is this. It's probably one of the most challenging and hard chapters of the Bible, all right? And I'll just get out, I'll say it as clearly as I can why, and then we can think about it. Because if we don't deal with this first, it will be hard to learn from the passage, all right? And here's what God says. God says, go and kill all of the Amalekites. So good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a great day. God says, go kill all of the Amalekites. And we have to, um, we have to be willing to think and listen instead of just making judgments that God is this horrible f being that enjoys slaughtering innocent people and such things. So, why would God say this? Why would God say to Saul, sorry, kill everyone, man, woman, child, cows, goats, like they, these people just need to go. Well, the short answer is there's just, there's just nothing nice about that at all. There's nothing good about that at all. But we have to be willing to think for a moment and gain some understanding, some context about why would God do this, okay? So here's the brief context. I won't spend a lot of time on this. We can talk about this more another time. If you want to have coffee with me and yell at me about God is just not a very good God, then we can do that. But I'll be brief this morning on this. But here's what Deuteronomy um, chapter 25 says, and I think we have it here, and I'll read it. This is what God says. Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt. They attacked you when you were exhausted and weary, and they struck down those who were straggling behind. So what we're showing here then is that the Amalekites did an unprovoked attack on the most vulnerable of the Jewish people. Those who are straggling behind. Verse 19 says, Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies in the land, he has given you a special possession. You must destroy the Amalekites and erase their memory from under heaven. Never forget this. 
That's pretty strong language. Chapter 15, verse 33, says this about the king of the Amalekites, that he is known for murdering children. So we have to be willing to think and just wrestle with this. Is there an evil that exists that is so bad that it needs to be eliminated? Well, maybe it's happening in a, in a sense before our own eyes. This week, I drove from my house in the Point Doom area up to Point Magoo to visit my son who was working up there. And along the way, I think I heard between three and five, I don't know exactly, I kind of tried to tune out a little bit, three to five news stories just on KNX 1070, just driving, listening to the news, about children being sexually assaulted from Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire, to YouTube sensations, to um, just people from all walks of life. This morning, uh, 57-year-old Chinese billionaire uh, arrested for sexually assaulting a nine-year-old uh, girl. Obviously, if you've been paying attention to the news, Jeffrey Epstein is a known and um, registered sex offender, billionaire, again. Um, and these are things that, in all honesty, we would just prefer to never talk about, but I, just, I think it's worth it for us to think for a moment about where we are as a society with our children. And when we begin to think about this a little bit more, we can begin, I think, to understand God's intolerance for evil, that God promises to stand up, that there will be judgment against people who do such horrific things, that God will not tolerate, that he will avenge evil. And there is evil happening. It's all around us. And I, I, uh, I was remi reminded uh, this week that... Um, when I would do the um, eighth grade Washington, D.C. trips, one of the things we'd always do is we would go to the Holocaust Museum. And you would take an elevator up to the top, and the, the museum starts with General Eisenhower, and I think General Patton also, liberating one of the concentration camps. And, and it, it has a voice narrating it, and it's one of those things where it's like they can't even believe it. That it's like this is happening. And there's a story, you can find it online, but I think it was when Eisenhower and, and or Patton, both of them, when they liberated one of the camps, they went to a nearby town and made the people, they marched the people out to see what they were living next to. And there's a story about the mayor of the town who was marched out there with everyone else to see what was happening. And the next day, he committed suicide with his wife. And he said something like this. It's not an exact quote, but it's something like this. We heard, but we didn't listen to what was going on. So this word Shema is really, really important. And the Bible talks about that God will hear the cry of his people. And so this is the context that this group of people, the Amalekites, were extremely violent people that they preyed on children and um, the weak and the innocent. And God, in his own wisdom, said, Saul, your job is to 
eliminate them and free um, this part of the world from their evil. So that's the brief context of maybe one of the hardest chapters in the Bible when God says to do this thing. So Saul is given a mission from God. It's not a very pleasant mission, but we're going to learn some things about him. So number one is this, is the reality of not listening is real for all of us. So it was real for Saul. Saul was given a very clear um, mission from God, and he doesn't do it. And so um, the point application for us is that we are all quite capable of not listening. We've all experienced this before. I'm sure I'm not the only husband here where my wife has said, Are, were you listening? And then that dreaded question, can you like repeat back to me what we were just talking about? I'm like, oh, no, not that question. <laughs> now, I, will, I do that with my boys too, and they've been doing a good job lately. They actually have been repeating back, like almost to my dismay. I was like, oh, I thought that I was going to catch them not listening, but they actually were listening. I just think that we're, if we were to self-grade, we probably give ourselves better grades than reality. So let's just say we're probably all about C minus grade in our ability to listen well, listen attentively. And that's what we see. So here's, we will work our way through this um, starting in verse 10 and we'll just try to make some uh, important things to learn. So number one is this, the reality of not listening well is true within all of us. And here's what happens. The word of the Lord came to Samuel and he says, this, I regret that I have made Saul king for he has turned back from following me. He has not performed my commandments. So God gave him this very clear message, this mission. Listen, do this. And he doesn't do it. Samuel is the prophet. Samuel is the guy who um, anoints Saul as the king of Israel. Saul is the first king of Israel, and he regrets it. And it says that Samuel is so distraught over Saul's inability to shema, to listen and do what God has said. It says he stayed up all night. It says that Samuel was angry and he cried all night. It says Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And this is where just things just get interesting and begin to unravel quickly. So we read this. It's kind of hard to follow, <clears throat> but we'll make more sense of it. So Samuel's going to go meet Saul. <clears throat> He's going to confront him. You didn't listen. You didn't do what God said. And Saul completely misses it. Saul is all excited because he thinks he did something well. So if you have your Bible, follow along. It says this. <clears throat> Saul, Samuel rose up early in the morning to meet Saul, and it was told to Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went to Gilgal. So Saul, um, very proud of his accomplishment, builds himself a monument. In Exodus, when Israel defeats the Amalekites um, sometime earlier, they build an altar. They build a monument. To whom? To God. And now Saul defeats the Amalekites and he builds himself a monument. Verse 13, Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, before 
before Samuel can even open his mouth, right? So Samuel's walking to Saul. Saul's there to greet him. Samuel's about ready to say something, and Saul just immediately opens his mouth and says, what a great guy I am. <clears throat> blessed, be, blessed be you to the Lord, for I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Here's what he's saying. I did, ex- I just, blessed be the Lord, I just did exactly what I was told to do. No, you didn't. So here is the example of, of self-defeat, excuse me, of self-deceit. Like what in the world is going on in Saul's mind when he was given a very clear mission? And then he says to Samuel, I did it. I accomplished it. Here was the mission. Take no prisoners. Don't even take their wealth. This is a mission of justice, not a mission of imperialism. That's really important distinction even to make my broader point in the beginning. This is not a war of imperialism. There is to be no gain from this. God tells Saul to eliminate them, but profit in no way. Those were the clear directions. This is a war of justice, not of personal wealth or gain. What does Saul do? He saves the best livestock and he allows the king to live. So Saul becomes himself like the Amalekites. He doesn't listen to God. Saul kills people for his own gain. We think we're listening, but we often don't. Saul is totally oblivious to what's happening here. Saul is deceiving himself. almost like that image of, um, of a little child. We've had this before where um, there's candy wrappers and chocolate all over his face and you say, did you eat the candy? No, I didn't. <laughs> right? And the evidence is clear. So we need to be aware just of this fact. It is possible all of us here to live with self-deception that we think we're listening well but we're not. Here is a, uh, a definition of self-deception that I came up, that I read this week. It says this. Self-deception is the ability to know the truth but not know the truth because you don't want to know the truth. We can just think about that for a second. There's things we just, we just would rather just hide or run away from. So we can know what's true but not know the truth because you don't want to deal with the truth. Self-deception is the ability to rationalize and justify things you know are true or are wrong. Are there things in our lives where this is true of us? Are there things in your life where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about obedience in your life, but you're living with self-deception? I think one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is how do you respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about sin in your life? How do you respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about sin in your life? How will you respond? It's very easy to deceive ourselves. It's very easy to talk ourselves into not believing the truth. So point number one is this the fact of self 
deception is within all of us. And it comes from not listening well. Remember the word Shema, that you listen and it changes how you live. Number two is this, just uh, the reality of self-deceit. What does this look like? And um, Saul is going to just, unfortunately, give us an example of how this plays out in our lives. So number one is this, the structure or the reality of self-deceit in our life is this. Number one is we blame other people. So here's the question to kind of begin this part. How does Saul respond when presented with the truth? He blames other people. So we're living with some dishonesty, with some self-deceit. If the Holy Spirit speaks truth to you or somebody else speaks truth to you and you blame other people. All right, so here's what happens when Saul does this. It says, uh, verse 15 says this. Saul said, they have brought them. This is, um, oh, let me just back up really fast because it's so interesting. Samuel uses his little bit of humor here. So Saul said, I did exactly what God told me. And then Samuel says, this is kind of hard translation, but it says this, verse 14. What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? That's just the translator's best attempt at making animal noises, right? So Saul and Samuel are talking. The mission is get rid of all the livestock. Don't profit in any way. So for a nomadic people, um, they don't have large um, deposits of gold, but their wealth is found in their livestock. So Saul is standing there saying, I obeyed God perfectly. I did exactly what's happening. And off over here, there are cows mooing. We're like, wait, you obviously did not do it because the cows are right there. We can hear them. So that's, that's what's happening here. So how does Saul respond to this? Verse 15, he uses the word they. Verse 15, Saul says, they have brought them from the Amalekites. That's his soldiers. So he's blaming his soldiers. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. So you can compare. I know if you have your Bible, you can look up to verse 9. It says this to compare. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. So Saul, who is the king, he's the lead man. He's responsible for everybody. Here's the king blaming his soldiers for not obeying God. So, if you blame other people when the Spirit of God speaks truth to you, if you blame other people when a sincere, loving friend speaks truth to you, and you blame other people, you're living with some deceit. You're unwilling to deal with the truth. Well, how do we do this? today. How does this work out in life? Well, we blame our dads. We blame our moms. Our childhood wasn't perfect. We had a rough growing up. We blame our family, our brothers, our sisters, our employers, our clients. It's our puppy's fault. This morning, I woke up very early. I'm tiptoeing around the house, quite successful in my mission of not waking up the dog drop a book, puppy doesn't move. I'm like, okay, take like two steps. The puppy wakes up. Who do I get mad at? The puppy. I just dropped the book like 20 seconds ago. 
There's always somebody to blame. For the rest of our lives, the human DNA is to always blame somebody else. That's how we're wired. We're looking for somebody else to blame. So be careful about blaming other people for the problems of your life. I know that there are sincere and real and deep scars in our lives from things that have happened, whether it's in our childhood or other things. I'm not minimizing those, but what I am saying is we cannot continually live our lives blaming other people. Number two, the thing that Saul does in his progression of self-deceit is he makes spiritual excuses. More dishonesty. Verse 15, the last part, he says this, um, 15b, the reason why he does this dishonest thing, he ignores God's word, is because it's going to be a sacrifice to the Lord. Right? This is like the, uh, this is how the mob works. I'm going to go rob a bank and I'm going to donate uh, 10% of it to the orphanage. And that's okay because I'm going to make a sacrifice to the Lord. He's making spiritual excuses. I may have done this wrong thing, but my motives were good. Little compromises in the, for the right reasons. Little compromises. Little acts of disobedience. Next, verses 19 through 21, we see the partial obedience. 19 through 21 says this. Samuel talks to him again, and he says, verse 19, why did you not obey the Shema of the Lord, the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? This was to be a war of justice, not a war for gain. Verse 20, Saul says to Samuel, I have obeyed. There is that dishonesty again. It's that partial obedience. One uh, author I read this week said this about partial obedience. Partial obedience is another name for disobedience. He's bargaining with God. He's refusing an honest assessment. He's refusing to confess his mistakes. Saul is fearful about being exposed. We can blame other people. We can make excuses. We can do partial obedience. And because of Saul's continual attitude, his unrepentant attitude, he's going to lose his kingdom. He's, he's going to lose his kingship. Saul then brings, excuse me, Samuel then brings clarity to what needs to be done. And this is what we can call the healing of self-deceit. The healing of self-deceit. Verse 22 says this, And Samuel has said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Clearly, no. So the clear answer to this, does God, is God impressed with us coming to church? Is God impressed with anything that we do? Any type of religious actions? Is God impressed with that more than a sincere, obedient heart? And the clear answer is no, he's not. God is not impressed or does not want our sacrifices. He wants your life. 
He wants all of you. When I think about things that we can take away from this, we can slow down and meditate is this, that we can learn to listen to the voice of God, that we can allow his word to speak to us. And here's that word again. As in, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, that's the word Shema again. As in Shema, listening. Listening to the point that it changes your heart. And then it says this, Behold, Shema is better than sacrifice. Listening to the voice of the Lord is better than sacrifice. I think there has to be a healthy rhythm to life. And I just, I know that, you know, it's summertime and I, I'm hoping people can have vac- some vacation with family and enjoy. But I think having a healthy rhythm to your life where you can listen to the voice of God is vital. Because life will just consume you with busyness, with fun and work. The American motto is work hard so you can play harder. And we, we develop a rhythm where we listen to ourselves alone. Russell, will you put the the one-sentence summary up again? The danger of not listening well is you will deceive yourself into believing you're always right. Does that become true of us? Learn to be quiet. Remember that God wants you, not what you offer him. Remember, we all need godly friends like Samuel to speak truth. Remember that sacrifices are a good thing, but more important is your heart. And God wants you to give him his heart. God wants all of you. He wants all of who we are more than acts of spiritual worship, more than acts of service. Saul starts off his life with excitement and leadership, and he is a dynamic leader. We can think about this for a second. How can a life with so full of potential and good things unravel and end in disaster? It's because he will no longer shema the voice of God. He will no longer listen. He will no longer obey the voice of God. So as we get into the heart of summertime and we enjoy it, please more than enjoying the ocean or enjoying the mountains, enjoy listening to the voice of God. And remember that he wants your heart. He wants obedience from a sincere heart. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that as we continue in worship, that we could be a people who listen We listen well to your voice. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak truth to us this morning. That we can readjust our ability to listen well. That we can teach our children to listen well, to listen to the voice of God, to teach one another to listen well. Father, we thank you for the gift of music. I pray that it be used to remind us that you speak to us clearly through your word. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.